Have you all had a good week? Good? Oh, it's a special week for Rich and I because we're celebrating 10 years of marriage. <laughs> so exciting. I think Robert and Naomi are as well. I don't know if they're here today, but yeah, it's, it's amazing, actually. Whole decade. Um, so God's been really good. We decided to celebrate our anniversary with Rich's family <laughs> this week in Shetland. <laughs> so while you guys were having a heat wave, we were sort of being blown away by the wind up there. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun. So on Monday when we set off to go um, at Heathrow, got there an hour and a half before the flight was due to take off for domestic flights. That should be enough time. But we ended up standing in the line for about an hour and 15. Uh, so by the time we got to the check-in desk, they were just like, you can't get on. So it's just like, what? We've got family waiting for us in Shetland. And it was panic all stations, really, wasn't it? Um, but Rich, thank God for a godly man. He was just like, let's just pray. So we're in the middle of the airport praying, basically, because we didn't have any money to rebook anything. And plus all the flights, the lady was just like, they're all booked up. I don't think you're going to get on. So we waited at the airport for a couple of hours trying to get onto a flight. Um, and in those moments, it, it's very easy to panic, isn't it? And I don't know if any of you have had those moments where you just, everything's going wrong. Um, so what I did, when I can't pray, I, I usually call up a friend to try, please can you pray? So we, we prayed a few, we asked a few uh, prayer warriors to, to pray and thank God we got on a couple of flights later, uh, managed to con- uh, get onto our connecting flight from Aberdeen to Shetland and it was just a miracle really. We got seats all together. God is really good. Um, <laughs> amen. It didn't stop there because we got to Aberdeen and it's pure f- fog. So we're in the, the airplane, can't see out the window. So I'm just like, Lord, when is this going to stop? This day is just going wrong, absolutely wrong. And uh, the, the pilot takes off anyway. Um, but we end up circling for about 45 minutes in the fog. And he tries to land, can't do it. I just thought, what is going on with this day, God? So, you know, in that moment, I just felt God say, actually, I'm still in control, Tanika, and I need you to be humble and know that I'm sovereign. That's quite a powerful moment. I'm going to get this water, actually. Um, of God just confirming his sovereignty in every situation. So we're going to read Daniel 5. And Daniel in this story, he's just so cool, calm and collected in the midst of chaos, really. And uh, he's just empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, And it's just such an encouragement to know what God can do when there's chaos around. He brings real clarity, peace in the midst of chaos. So I will read this very long chapter and we'll start. Um, King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar his father had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be bought, that the king and his lords, his wives and concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the golden vessels that they had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords and wives and concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver 
bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately the hands, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall, the king's palace opposite the lampstand, and the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's colour changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. The king called loudly to bring the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the astrologers, the king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and a gold chain around his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known the king the interpretation. The king of Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and his colour changed, and his lords were perplexed. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall, and the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your colour change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers, because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret genes, explain riddles, and solve problems of sound in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. And now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king answered and said to Daniel, You are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king my father brought from Judah. I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that light and understanding and an excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men and charters have been brought in before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not show me the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now, if you can read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for, um, be for yourself. Give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed. Whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up. Whom he would, he humbled. He raised whom he would be humbled, but when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened, so that he was dealt with proud, proud, dealt proudly, he was brought down from the kingly throne, and the glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the from he was driven from among the children of mankind, and his mind was made like that of a beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He fed grass like an ox, and his body was wet with dew of heaven, until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of Manhai mankind and sets it over whom he will and you his son Belshazzar have not humbled your heart that you knew all this but you lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven and the vessels of the house have been brought in before you and your lords and your wives and your concubines and you have drunk wine from them and you have praised the God of silver and gold and bronze iron wood and stone which do not see or hear or know but the God in whose hand you breathe and whose are all your ways you have not honoured. Then from his presence the hand was sent, 
and this writing was inscribed. In this, the writing that was inscribed, Mini Mini Tika Parsin, and the interpretation of the matter, meaning God has numbered your days of the kingdom and brought it to an end. Tika, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Okay. That was a long chapter. <laughs> okay. So we're going to... We're going to basically look at the king, um, his pride and his fear, contrasting with Daniel, um, who was empowered by the Holy Spirit and was humble. And then we're going to look at our ultimate example, Jesus, um, and then just have a, a look at a bit of application. So in verse 1 to 4, we see that the king holds this big feast. And he obviously wants everyone to know that he's in control. Uh, they want him to, they, he wants them to see his wealth, um, how powerful he is. They don't normally bring, the Babylonians wouldn't normally bring wives to parties like this, but he, he gets the wives involved along with the concubines, who are the, the women from the harem really, gets everyone involved, shows off basically. And after drinking wine, what does he do? He, he makes a really fatal decision to get these sacred vessels from God's temple and bring them to his party. Um, and not only that, drinking from them, and not only that, he starts to worship the gods of silver, gold, uh, wood, and stone. You see, the pride in the king really leads to worship of creation. That's what pride does. Um, and it proved fatal for him. So he publicly has told everyone basically to reject God. I mean, in a very public way, God actually is like, no, we're not having this. Now, I think God has made creation for us to enjoy. I think the way creation is so intricate, beautiful, speaks of a father who really loves us, actually. And it's very caring that we enjoy what he's created. Um, But we're not meant to worship what he's given us. It's meant to point to who he is and his glory. And Daniel would have known this. Um, in Exodus, it's, it, you know, it talks about God being one God. Don't worship any other God apart from the Lord. Um, Belshazzar's father, or actually commentators say it was his grandfather, but anyway, Nebuchadnezzar came to realize the creator of heaven and earth. And at the end of chapter 4, we see he worships the God of heaven. But unfortunately, the king in this story doesn't learn from that. In Psalms, it says, When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of God that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. And I think the Bible encourages us to look at creation and wonder and enjoy it. It's okay to enjoy it. But actually, let's, let's keep worshipping the true God of heaven, the creator of all things. 
And I think when you start worshipping creation, it's very easy to do that, isn't it? Because you can see things, things are tangible. But actually, it's quite shaky ground. And then what we see here when the writing comes on the wall, the king is just immediately fearful. He's trembling. And that's because creation's not going to help in situations like that. And people know that, actually. So he scrambles around, looking, who can help me? He's trying to find everyone to help him. Actually, apart from Daniel, who he probably would have known about, or Daniel's friends, he goes back to his Babylonian traditions. Let me find the astrologers. Let me find the enchanters. And I wonder how that is for us today in our secular world. What do we sort of fall back on when things get a bit scary, a bit tense? You know, for Rich and I, on that Monday in the, in the airport, I was almost at the point of panicking. But, you know, we stood and we prayed. We got people to pray when we felt weak. And God really works in those situations. But I wonder what it is for us that we feel that we fall back on when we're feeling scared. God wants us to come to him in those moments. So this king that's so seemingly in control is brought very vividly down on his knee in front of everybody. Um, and I guess for me personally, sometimes when I'm feeling a bit scared or fearful, Sometimes the prayer is not the first thing I want to do. But it is in those moments that we really, really need to turn to God because he's actually the only one that can help. And we see in this story Daniel. And the queen comes in. She's probably the queen mother because normally queens would have to be invited to these parties. But the queen comes in and she's just like, don't worry. There's a man the spirit of the gods. Now she says gods because they've got a pluralistic framework, but what she recognizes is that there's something different in Daniel. He serves a god that can actually help. And she's confident. Who knows whether she, she trusts God, but she's confident because she's seen what God has done in Daniel's life. And I just find it interesting that she doesn't mention dreams first. She doesn't mention, oh, his friends are in the fire first. Um, she doesn't mention all the signs and wonders. The first thing she mentions is, as a man with the spirit of God. And I just find that so encouraging, actually. It says a lot about Daniel, because I think in all the amazing things that he did, he pointed to God and everything. And he didn't make it about the things he didn't make it about creation, but he actually made it about pointing to God. And uh, he's still known by his Hebrew name, Daniel. So he may have been about 80 years old at this time, but he's actually still got his identity from when he was in exile. And it does say a lot about how he carried himself. He's got the respect of a queen here, but he still has his Hebrew identity, his God-given identity. And he's still set apart whilst being amongst a very different culture. Um, and I guess we can draw some parallels in our society today, living in London, living in quite a secular world as Christians, for those of us who are Christians here. 
we are different. And I think people can see that. Even when, if you look, we sort of blend in. But actually, when people get to know us, there's something about the Spirit of God that sets you apart. What I love about that is not necessarily about all the doing stuff, influencing, serving. It's actually people seeing who you are in Christ, which is really encouraging. And there is something about the fragrance of God that I think non-Christians, they do notice and they do see. And just like the Queen, they feel encouraged by, they feel encouraged by your presence. I've heard of people being in meetings, not knowing why they're in the meeting, but something about them being there has just made people feel peaceful and comfortable having them there. And that's, that's the Holy Spirit. Um, a number of years ago, Rich and I went to Poland for a wedding. And uh, we're pretty much the only English people there. But it was a lot of fun. And I, I basically spent the three days with the groom's mum, sort of stroking my face, uh, putting flowers in my hair, talking in Polish to me. And I was just talking back in English, not knowing what she was saying. And... <laughs> Um, uh, we spent one of the evenings talking to this Dutch guy. He could, his English wasn't great, and off, yeah, he couldn't speak Dutch or Polish, so that didn't help. But at the end of the night, he said to us, he's like, there's something different about you two. He's like, I don't know what it is, but there's something different. And we were able to sort of share that it's Jesus. But I just felt like, how did they get that? We haven't even been speaking the same language. But there is something about the Holy Spirit that just transcends the ordinary. And, you know, we weren't really doing anything. We were just having fun at this party. But he could see there was something different. Um, I spoke to a reverend a few months ago, and she, she was also sharing something about when she was working with a royal family some years ago. And... Um, it came time for her to leave because she, she was relocating. But, you know, apparently the queen of this royal family phoned up her manager and said, I don't know what it is about this lady, but I'm really going to miss her. And it's going to be really, I'm going to really miss her not being there. And, you know, this person was saying to me, I didn't really speak to her, so I don't know why she's saying that. But again, it's something about the Holy Spirit that people see and I think are often attracted by. Um, at the same time, it could cause persecution. So we can rub people up the wrong way by being different. That might come as well. And if you look at Daniel, I mean, he wasn't at the party. The king here didn't call for him first, doesn't seem to know who he is. So he was a bit left out, probably. A bit of a lonely figure, maybe. And that's... That, could be what, what it looks like sometimes, being different and set apart. And what I love about Daniel's interaction with the king, the king's f- first words to him are, are you the exile? And after the queen has given this glowing, this is an amazing guy, the spirit of the gods, the first thing the king says, are you the exile? And I don't know whether that was a slight or what it is, or just recognizing him 
you know, as a slave, really. Daniel, at that point, could have corrected him and said, actually, I am head of all of these guys that you've, you've called in before me. I'm actually the top guy here. He doesn't say that. He just it doesn't matter to him. And I think that does speak about Daniel's humbleness. Um, and he knew who his God was. His response is, do you know what? You can keep your gifts. And I'm sure he said it very respectfully. <laughs> you can keep your gifts. I don't need that. And I think it does say a lot about actually he knows who, who his gifts came from. He knows where his confidence came from. And it doesn't come from the gifts or titles that the, the king could offer. And again, looking at living in a city like London, there's lots that London can offer us, isn't there? Um, many of us are doing really well in, in your home life, careers, universities. You can often be distracted by promotions, bonuses, accumulation, things, creation. But I do wonder how we can transform culture if we actually just simply focused on doing a good job and giving glory to God in it, which is what Daniel seems to be doing. Just actually, you've asked me to do this interpretation, I'll do that. You don't need to give me anything else. So Daniel is a brilliant example of a humble man. I'm constantly encouraged by this book because... He just seems amazing, to be honest with you. And God really honors that. But it actually is nothing compared to who Jesus is and, and what Jesus has done. Who, um, being like God, actually made himself a servant for us um, so that he could save us. And in that humbleness, you know, and that love that drove Jesus, drove him to a cross to die for us. Being like God, he chose to die for us. I mean, that's the greatest humbleness you could ever find. So that's our true example of humbleness, is looking to Jesus. And actually, when we accept him in our lives, it's brilliant the, the prayers that were being prayed out today. There's such freedom that comes. And he wants to bring us fullness of life. But actually, it does come from humbly saying, God, I'm sorry, I need, I need your forgiveness. And actually us being humble before him. And the good news is that when we accept Jesus, he will empower us to do his will. Um, and he will empower us to do the things that are on his heart. Um, and his Holy Spirit will empower us basically, to live a life that's really pleasing to him. Okay. I'm just going to go to the last section. Don't wait for the writing on the wall. And I know that sounds really sober. <laughs> But I think God is really gracious and kind and patient, and he will continually and gently call you to accept him and to, to love him. 
but there comes a moment. The writing on the wall is quite a final act. There's something quite final about that. And unlike his father, Belshazzar, that was his last chance. So he must have heard these stories of Nebuchadnezzar being humbled and then coming to, to praise God, the true God. The vessels would have been in a temple separate. So he would have known about the God of the Jews. He would have known about the true God. But he chose to reject that in quite, quite a big way. So for him, his story doesn't end like his grandfather's, Nebuchadnezzar. And, you know, I, I've wondered why the different treatment, why hasn't he been given another chance like Nebuchadnezzar? But I do think it's because actually he's probably grown up with the testimony and the witness of who God was, and he chose to reject it. So he probably was given a lot of chances, but he definitely was given a chance, and he chose to reject it in a big way. So for him, the writing was on the wall. So I guess in a sense, there is, there's an urgency, really. Don't wait for a crisis um, before coming to Jesus. Don't wait for a crisis before turning back to him if you've fallen away. Now's the time to accept Jesus. Uh, let's go quickly to the, the actual writing on the wall, just so we understand that bit. So it was probably written in Aramaic which actually people probably would have understood. But the intonation of what the words meant, and they were quite random, which might be why nobody could understand. It really needed divine inspiration. Um, and that's when you need a man of God around. Um, and even in our world today, this is when we need Christians in the world because people need us. They need divine inspiration that actually only Christians can give through the help of God. So numbered, numbered, weighed, and divided. Daniel delivered a really sober message to this king. But he did it with such confidence. And again, I think it's because he worshipped the creator. He knew who his God was. He was on firm ground. And I think that gave him a confidence to speak out. And what can we learn from this? I think we... We need to be people that are confident to speak truth, even when it's difficult, um, even when it's sobering. I think God will give us the strength to do that in our weakness. He'll give us the strength to do that in whatever your context looks like. As promised, Daniel got all of the bits, the things, the purple, the gold, and he was made the third ruler. Um, Belshazzar was apparently co-regent with um, his father, which is why he didn't give the third rulership. So it's, it's a bit of an odd title to give, but he made Daniel the third ruler. Daniel wasn't after that, but he, he got it anyway. And I think that's the grace of, of God in him. And I think likewise, God will put us in positions where we're in influence um, and where we can make a difference, however big or small. Um, but God will do that. Um, but Jesus says in Matthew, For the Gentiles pursue all these things, talking about clothes, food, nice things, 
and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So there's really a call on us. We're not after the things. We're not after creation. But actually, we're after the things of the Father. And that God promises, Jesus promises in these verses, that he, he will add the other stuff. But that's not what it's about. In, in the same chapter, Matthew 6, verse 19, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So even when God adds the wonderful things in this earth for us, it's, it's not about that. And we really need to have a, an eternal perspective on these things, the things that are not seen. And faith is about things that are not seen. But it's the most important things. Again, living in a city like London, there's so much on offer. And so many things can take our distraction. But we need to look to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's where our hearts need to be. That's where our worship needs to be. And unfortunately for the king in this story, he looks to things instead of the creator. But let's learn, let's learn from Daniel. We're here to do a good job for God, to be sons and daughters. Let's be captivated by God and his glory. Whatever your context looks like, let's be captivated by God. So if we're looking at application, I think we need to be people who share stories and testimonies, learn from each other, get wisdom. I think the king in the story, he had an opportunity to learn from past mistakes, but he decided to ignore it. Um, but we, we need to encourage each other with stories so that they're not all falling into the same mistakes. I think we're meant to build each other up as a family. I think God wants us to enjoy life. He says, I've come that you might have life and live it to the full, have it abundantly. I think it's absolutely great to enjoy life. Um, looking to nature, looking to what God's done, looking to how he's used us. But it's not about that. And that should point us to the creator. Let's be known by the fruits of the spirit. And it's not about striving to be something. It's not about striving to serve, striving to do good. It's about being empowered by the Holy Spirit in these things. In Galatians 2, Galatians 2 verse uh, 20, it says, No longer I that live, but Christ that lives inside. It is Christ that saves. It is Christ that empowers. And it's by his grace. So I really want you to leave today thinking, actually, it's not about me striving to be good like Daniel that it's Christ empowering us to live a holy life. And it's about us living in worship to God. I just want to end with um, a quote by Toza. God wants worshippers before workers. Indeed, the only acceptable workers are those 
who have learnt the lost art of worship. Gifts and power for service the Spirit surely desires to impart, but holiness and spiritual worship come first. Yeah, I'm just going to pray, and then I think you're happy the band can come up. Um, Lord, I just thank you for this message, Lord. I thank you that actually that spirit that you gave Daniel, we can live that too because of what Christ has done on the cross, Lord. I thank you that it's up to you that empowers us to live, to be, to be worshippers before you, God. And I just pray for a a refreshing of your Holy Spirit on all of us, Jesus, uh, to live a life that's uh, worthy and acceptable, Jesus, for you. Amen.